With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Weekside Podcast. I'm Jenny Vrentis here with Connor Orr, our new twice-a-week podcast. We hope you're enjoying hearing us a little bit more. Or if not, well, we're here anyway, so... This week's show, we thought the draft is two weeks away, which is kind of stunning. It really crept up on us because this has been such a strange offseason and spring and year in the life of America. But the draft is almost here. Connor Orr, on Tuesday's website of the MMQB, I was going to say Tuesday's paper, Connor, but we don't work for a newspaper anymore. Oh, man. Uh, Memories. Tuesday on the MMQB, Connor has his mock draft. Now, last year, we made this mock draft competition into a really big thing. We had a competition with a bottle of wine on the line, which I guess we could do this year, like remotely. I guess we could send each other wine. I'm in. But, all right. So, Connor's Connor's first on the board with the mock draft. Mine will be next week, and then I, I believe Albert's will be the last week. So, we've got some, you know... Some some interesting debate coming. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm nervous. I finished in last place in our competition last year, mostly because of um, my I guess legitimized. Um, uh, I don't know what what would you call it when you're going after the wrong person uh, when you're like uh, 
when you're chasing the wrong person. My love of DeAndre Baker cost me dearly last year. Extremely. Oh, okay. um, and then that just threw off the order of everything. And so I'm trying to be a little more careful this year, but also maintaining a little bit of the spice because, you know, that's that's why you come here, right? That's why you click on a mock draft. It has to be interesting because the regular draft is interesting. I think we fell on opposite ends of the, De- the DeAndre, DeAndre Baker question last year, Connor. I believe I didn't have him in the first round. Well, so you uh, landed on the side of Dave Gettleman, which historically uh, I, I would feel okay about. You know, you and you and Dave had him about the same end of the like the very end of the first round, right? That's, okay, yeah, right. I think right. I think that's a good. That's not a bad thing. All right. So this year, there. Well, we're going to go over the top ten today, Connor. That's what we're going to mm-hmm. do. We're going to have a little healthy conversation, and I would like to point out that. I seem to every year land the ideal time spot for having my mock coming out because I feel that next week is the best time to have a mock come out because almost all the information is in. But then the last week, there's always all these smoke screens and all these crazy things which can influence last minute changes. So we really should have swapped. So I didn't continue to have this advantage. But I do want to acknowledge that. However, I'm quite confident that <laughs> this year it will not benefit me whatsoever. Yeah, so. Last year, it was like, um, what was the the big smoke screens last year were Ed Oliver to number three, all of a sudden at the last minute. Yes. That was a good. Um, that was a good smoke screen. And I'm trying to remember there was like two of them that really sort of like throttled everybody's mock drafts at the last minute and caused like a seismic change but ed oliver was definitely one of them i do remember that the quarterbacks last year were also Mm. a big topic of debate namely daniel jones etc so okay let's start it off connor your number one Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. Who do you have? Uh, not a surprise here. Uh, begrudgingly, I'm going to take Joe Burrow. But here's sort of an interesting thing about this mock draft. I think if I was the Bengals, my choice would be between Burrow and Tua at number one. However, Tua, uh, we're foreshadowing a little bit, is not the second quarterback that goes in my mock draft. So I'm, I'm kind of basing it off of how things should fit. I think that Tua and Burrow would fit better in the Bengals' offense. Um, Burrow especially gets rid of the ball super quickly. They're going to have a bad offensive line. Um, They can probably lean on some of the RPO stuff that he did at LSU. And so I think that everything is kind of set up for them to take him number one. Yeah, it's interesting because, as you mentioned here, his hip injury really did kind of change up the process. And especially in this time where he couldn't have the combine recheck. And he's certainly done everything he can to reassure teams that he's in good health. But it's not quite the same of having teams have the ability to see him once again a month before the draft and that combine medical recheck. So this year especially, I feel like that has been uh, an additional factor. I feel like less... uh, like. over at NFL.com, uh, Cynthia Freeland does the analytics-based mock draft, and I feel like that always packs a punch because it's like the one that doesn't have the number one pick that everybody else has, you know? And I was kind of like thinking I should I should do that. I should just be like, yeah, you know what? Two is, should, should go number one. I know Steve Palazzillo at 
PFF said, uh, agreed with that, that Tua should be the number one pick. He's far and away the number one pick. I thought it was interesting, though, uh, one kind of note on them is I love the SIS Rookie Handbook. Um, it is my favorite draft prep manual, and they do expected points added per drop back. And out of every quarterback in college that is coming into the draft this year, Tua actually adds the most value to a single snap out of all of them, slightly edging out Burrow and then who edges out Herbert by a comfortable margin, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. That's a great stat. Obviously, I guess doesn't account for injury, right? Yes. It's like when he's on the field and when he's healthy, this is his production level. Exactly. But yeah. other factors at play too. All right, Connor. Number two on the clock is Washington. Boring again. Uh, Chase Young from Ohio State, and I somewhere in here two, three, four is going to be the trade, right? I, I think that if you're Miami or LA, you're both looking at quarterbacks, and you have to get up here somehow. And I think it just depends on where you're falling. I, I would guess that just based on what everybody is saying about Chase Young, and I've gone back and watched um, a lot of Chase Young now. Uh, I think that he's good enough to merit just staying there and taking him, and then you let the Lions and the Giants kind of worry about trading back. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch him, specifically like when they put him in that roving linebacker thing, and a lot of teams started trying to use his speed against him, let him fly up field, and then hit him with a bunch of screens, but he's so fast, and I don't know, I think a lot of fun, and I, I don't know, Washington then builds a formidable front there. I mean, Montez Sweat, you had, uh, you're had you going to have three first-round picks there um, in four years, and that's, that's good, right? I mean, people you know, work for the 49ers, so... Yeah, I was just going to say, it's definitely reminiscent of the 49ers, how they stocked up on first-rounders on the defensive line, and then they get Nick Bosa as the you know cherry on top and complete the front and is this impact player. And it makes a lot of sense for Washington. It's a position of need. It's a p- player that potentially has the chance to be an um, immediate difference maker for your team. Uh and they drafted a quarterback in the first round last year. So however Ron Rivera feels about Haskins, he doesn't have this evaluation period to get to know him a little bit. And so, I, yeah, I like your first two picks. Connor, I'm thinking that mine's going to look kind of similar so far next week. This is going to be a little boring. We are the agree. We are the <laughs> the gentle conversation lovers podcast. So that's okay. This can that's happen. Really, it's yeah. totally fine. That's true. Agreement is okay on our podcast. Totally fine. We, we never yell. <laughs> we rarely contradict each other. So a lot of things going on. Perfect here. for this time. Absolutely. Absolutely. On the board next, the Detroit Lions picking third. I think this is a don't overthink it. Uh, Jeffrey Okuda from Ohio State. You lose Darius Slay. Um, you let him go and you add um, Trufant. But... I don't think that that completes your your secondary there. I think that you know Patricia likes to mix things up, make things complicated for quarterbacks, which is not easy in their division when you have Matt Stafford and Aaron Rodgers and all those and and, and all those guys. But I, I think Okuda probably just puts them over the edge. You can probably put him on a on a really good wide receiver right away, 
And um, I thought that he was a little tougher than he got credit for. I watched, you know, seeing him play some of the bigger games that he played last year. Um, everyone's saying that he wasn't as physical, but I, I saw him make some pretty big hits. So I, I actually kind of am warming up to to him a little bit. And I think kind of like Chase Young is probably worth staying there unless, you know, these are the spots right here where where some action is going to happen. Maybe you get blown away and there's two or three other decent cornerbacks that are going to land in your lap in round one. Boy, the Lions are in such a weird spot, aren't they? I They haven't really shown any progress since Matt Patricia's been there. They made the decision to keep him and Bob Quinn and Stafford is aging and has had a lot of injury issues and the the idea of them ruling a drafting a quarterback you couldn't you wouldn't necessarily rule it out but it does seem like based on comments at the combine and the fact that this is a playoffs or bust type year as set up by ownership makes it seem like they won't draft a quarterback here but that is definitely an interesting spot right because do they get a play like is there someone on the board that they like? There's other teams that are trying to trade up. So I think like Washington and Detroit are very interesting because it's not like they're teams that you know are going to be in the market for a quarterback and will take someone there. They they probably won't. Um, and then do they like the player that they can get at that spot more than they would like a potential trade? They're fast. I mean, both of these teams could theoretically just destroy everyone's draft and light it on fire. I mean, I think that's really interesting. And we're just kind of basing it on, um, I like what Andy Benoit said in, um, he did our team needs for us over at SI.com, which is that it's such a lie to say that teams don't draft for need. Of course they do. I mean, it's always cool to say that you're drafting the best player on the board and maybe some people actually do that, but you're drafting for need. And so quarterback is certainly a need there. There's a lot of good quarterbacks in the, in the first round available and so I don't know it'll be interesting if I were ownership I would almost say like you guys aren't allowed to do that you know like I I, you need to put the pieces together to make the playoffs here or if not I'm hiring somebody else to make this decision uh, in the long term because it's just that would complete that cyclical NFL thing where it's like you draft the quarterback and then things don't work out and you get another coach who doesn't want this guy. And, you know, I don't know. I I would be very hesitant about that if I were the Lions. I agree. And I also agree on the best player available. It's a best player available at a position of need. Yeah. And need can be defined a lot of different ways. You know, we all remember when the Giants were drafting a ton of pass rushers. Oh, well, that's not necessarily a need, but it is because pass rushers are such an important position. So, you know, I think that's kind of where you how you define need is 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 important to that, right? Totally. There's always some element of what you need on your roster, whether it's a thin position or it's just a position that's so important. Yeah, totally so. agree. All right. Looks like things are getting a little spicy here. Connor emailed me his top 10 before we got on the call here. So we have the on the board at number four, the New York Giants. But someone got to Dave Gettleman on Zoom and and, and <laughs> organized a trade here. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are just moving up one spot. They're going to do the Bears, Mitch Trubisky thing. Where And I think that makes the most sense if you're Miami because you're if you didn't do it before. Right. If you didn't if you didn't go to number three, you would definitely go to number four and you have the draft capital to outbid the chargers you have a ton of picks um and as we saw with the bears moving up for trubisky even though it was not the right move in hindsight it is not super cost effective or or, or, uh 
what do I want to say, uh, cost damaging, right? Um, I think it was like a first, a third, and a fourth, or a first, a third, and a fifth um, to cost them to move up that one spot. And then you just, you know you get your person. You know you get your guy. And I think that, um, who knows who that is, but just kind of a weird feeling it might be Herbert based on some of the personnel moves they've made, bringing back Chan Gailey, um, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick can start those first four or five games. Um, Herbert d- does have kind of a good short window accuracy, which is really important in, in Chan Gailey offenses that we've seen in the past. But I think that it would be interesting to kind of mesh what he has done well historically um, with some of the RPO stuff that Justin Herbert's run. And I think you could come up with a cool um, offense there based on based on the kind of the molding of those two things so I don't know I I like Herbert um he's not my favorite quarterback in the draft but for some reason I just have a weird feeling Miami likes him um and and not just me I mean the what the Miami Herald reported that um he was the top quarterback on their board there's there's certainly some uh, foundation there but I don't know just getting a weird feeling about Miami and Justin Herbert yeah Cost prohibitive. Cost, it's not cost yes. prohibitive. That's the word you're yes. looking for. But yes, you're right. Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald, who's really tapped in with the team, has kind of been on this Dolphins to Herbert bandwagon for a while. And it was interesting to know that Stephen Ross mentioned Chua's injury history when he was interviewed about him earlier this winter. So it's definitely something that's on their mind. And the maybe the calculation there is... They, they don't think the injury risk is is worth it, and they feel more comfortable with Herbert. I also think the points you make about the offense are interesting, so I like this. It's a little spicy. It's a little different, Connor. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's fun now. It's going to look crazy when they draft to a... <laughs> in two weeks, but what are you going to do? I don't know. I just... I, I don't know why. had a weird feeling when they... Because uh, obviously had seen a lot of what Armando had reported. Uh, trust him; he's been great down there. And then the Chan Gailey move was like, oh, interesting. You know, I don't know. It just sort of like put the, put the two things together for me. Anyway. And now we think also that the Giants and the Dolphins used the one to two minutes exemption to make sure that the trade could go down no question. over over Zoom. No question, right? They definitely used that extra buffer to make sure everything got communicated. Dave Gettleman needed to, you know, shut down the laptop, restart it. You know, he's on the phone with the tech guy. Dave, did you restart the laptop? Is it plugged in? And but we got it done. Everything is everything okay. is a okay. Got back on the Wi-Fi in time. All right. So that means the Giants are on the clock at five. This completes the Dave Gettleman 180 uh, because not only does he trade down for the first time to accumulate assets and cover himself uh, as a buffer for the Leonard Williams trade. He recoups some of the assets that he lost there, but he takes uh, he passes up a premium offensive tackle. Um, and premium defensive line talent to take Isaiah Simmons, who's a next-gen kind of player from Clemson. I think the kind of person who could... None of the linebackers that they signed this offseason can cover tight ends um, in, in the modern NFL. The Giants were gouged like that last year. They need somebody to do that. That is a huge part of the league right now. And I don't know, I, I, I think it was... Um, uh, I think it was Lewis Riddick on ESPN who said, if Isaiah Simmons is still there when the Giants are picking and they don't select him, I would fall out of my chair. So here's hoping that Lewis doesn't fall out of his chair. 
You wrote about a couple of years ago this trend of positionless football, right? And players who could be anywhere on the field, and that's where things were headed as they were trickling up from the college rank, high school and college ranks. Simmons fits into that perfectly. I, I don't know if there was a position where he didn't line up in college. It seemed like, right? I mean, he was linebacker and corner safety. Yep. Maybe nose tackle. Maybe he didn't line up a <laughs> nose tackle. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just the ability to move him all over. And that's what the Giants just really need a defensive playmaker. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a great selection. Yeah, I think it's just it, it's a right fit for them. It gets them out of that mold. I feel like they've been obsessively rebuilding the 2000. 2000- seven and 11 giants for the last eight years when in truth it was it was the right team for that time but football has changed significantly in those eight years yeah absolutely if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. 
And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. All right. On the clock with the sixth pick, the Los Angeles Chargers. I I mean, I I don't know if this could have worked out any more perfectly for them, but uh, because I did it, so I guess it's weird to say it that way, but Tua at six, right? I mean, that that's the move. You like Tyrod Taylor. Um, you know, I, I think that while they're not the same quarterback, um, you could probably build in some similar concepts for the two of them to ease the transition. Taylor has been a good bridge guy in the past. Um, and this way, even if the medicals don't immediately check out with Tua, you can give him a little bit of time and, and let him sit. I don't know. I think this is the perfect spot. I think Anthony Lynn's a great head coach, and he could design something really cool and interesting, I think, for Tua. I agree that it's the perfect spot because there isn't pressure for him to play right away. They really do like Tyrod. They believe he's kind of an ideal bridge guy that if he played last year, they could have maybe won a couple more games with him. So I think you put two in that position where there's not pressure for him to play right away, where you can make sure he gets 100% healthy before you're trying to put him in there. And, you know, Anthony Lynn just got a contract extension, right? So you know there is a little bit more patience. And then also, you know, you get – this Alabama star to eventually play in the new stadium. Of course, this all, I mean, who knows if the stadium is constructed. They have people testing positive for COVID-19 on the construction site. So that's just another matter to decide. Who knows if we'll be playing in 2020 at all, but we've talked enough about that on the podcast. I like the two a pick. If they, it's a, especially a great pick if you don't play at all in 2019. I mean, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Two would have extra time to recover, right? And just sort of a weird point to make, but L.A. is probably the perfect place to take a uh, uh, a developmental starter because what other place is there going to be less clamoring to to make a change? I mean, it's a pretty peaceful market there you know i i think that compared to other places if you tried to take tua in new york or in washington or one of these other places there would be a constant demand to see him play and i don't think that that's probably necessarily the case in la i think they could probably get away with running with tyrod as long as they wanted to 
And you use the word kismet, which I think is perfect here, if they were able to get him at six. And think that offseason would be really good for the Chargers. You know, they didn't land Brady, but I think I would rather have Tyrod as a bridge guy and draft Tua and move forward with a long-term plan. No doubt. I would feel better about that if I was at the helm of the Chargers organization. And I think, to your point, uh, which is a great one, is I think a similar pop like uh attention wise like not cer- yeah. certainly not the Brady bump that you're going to get but Tua is not going to steal trademarks from your team and you know and do a bunch of nefarious stuff there and he's going to be a good I think I don't know people like Alabama quarterbacks he's the best he's the biggest star to come out of Alabama in a long time it's it's I think th- I don't know I think it works out You talked about a Brady bump a Tua to a tip? I don't really know. The, I don't know the right word, Connor. <laughs> That's good. We're all exhausting our creativity these days. True. Oh, okay. The Carolina Panthers are on the board at seven. This is boring. Uh, Derek Brown from Auburn, who is great. I mean, is a lot of fun and an exciting player, but I think they're another team. Like you talk about pivot points in the draft where everything could could just totally turn. I mean, they're a total unknown because we don't know what Matt Rule is thinking in terms of how he wants to build this team. His evaluations on college players are going to be a lot fresher um, and probably a lot more different than um, some of the people that are uh, have been working in the Panthers front office. And they could go quarterback. I mean, they they could legitimately be in that discussion too. I mean, I don't if he liked someone, uh, you know, if he coached against someone that he thought was really special, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see them try to move up and and make a move and then just allow Teddy Bridgewater to to help break him in. But Brown checks a lot of boxes. Uh, you know, they need help everywhere. I mean, this is not uh, this is a roster that they've kind of let slim out and uh you know he he can play three positions on the defensive line he can kind of bounce around and uh he causes a lot of interior pressure so i i don't know i mean i think that it's a it's a good it's a safe pick it's a good pick and marty herney's done a good job with defensive linemen in the past so i think you got to give him um an edge there if he does end up liking brown but you're right. This one's a total wild card because you have a new head coach that has like a 22 year contract with the Panthers. So, you know, <laughs> has plenty of time to, to build the organization. Right. But in all seriousness, you don't really know what's going to be important to him. You know, a college coach coming to the NFL. What are they going to prioritize when they draft? Uh, when is the right time to draft a quarterback? what is the most important like piece moving forward. So yeah, I think this is a definitely an interesting pivot point in the top of the first round. Yeah. Eight. I would say that seven, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine were the three hardest to do. Um, I think in, in, in the, in the draft because of how it sets everything else up, the, the Panthers, mm-hmm. the Cardinals and, uh, and the Jaguars. That reminded me of that old cho- joke from childhood. Why is six afraid of seven? Because <laughs> seven, eight, nine. Oh, that's a good one. It's been a long time since I've heard that. I have a good book of dad jokes somewhere here on my desk. Maybe I'll oh, maybe I'll pop it out for the finale. Joke. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So number eight, the Arizona Cardinals, who've had a spicy off season. We use spicy a lot, Connor, but. They have. They have. And I was so tempted um, to put Jerry Judy there because, uh, you know, air raid is a lot of four wide receiver uh, looks. And if you did that, I mean, just imagine um, the possibilities there. I'm Larry Fitzgerald, Jerry Judy, DeAndre Hopkins. And then, you know, you, you 
can mix a lot of things up there. But they did have a lot of success running the ball last year. So I do think that Makai Becton from Louisville makes sense because um, this is another stat from SIS that I love. Uh, In the country, the third lowest blown pass block percentage um and if it's a great stat yeah Connor. and if he's going and uh, the first among sort of the top tier of offensive tackles that we've talked about and or people are kind of projecting to land this high so uh, again i'm not delusional enough to think that kyler murray is going to be throwing the ball 66 times a year but if you're going to favor the pass at like 60 40 um maybe uh then you want somebody who is well-versed in that. And I think out of all those guys, he probably has the most experience with pass-heavy, a lot of play action. So I don't know. I think uh, maybe he's the first tackle off the board here. Yeah, and that would be that would be kind of, well, is it, I don't remember. When was the first offensive lineman off the board? About that point last year? I'm trying to remember back. Yeah. Um, so... But I think that's a good pick. I mean, I think it's it's an it's a need they have in Arizona, right? To be able to have this air raid, you know, you you would need a good pass blocker. So I like your I like your choice here. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of high on the Cardinals, Connor. I was doing like power rankings this morning, and like I was thinking where to put them, and I was like, I'm kind of excited about them for 2020. I am oddly excited about the Cardinals. I think Kyler Murray takes a huge step forward next year, too. And and not to take away from what he did in his first year, which I think was a lot better than he was given credit for, too. But I don't know. I think next year is going to be really interesting. Yeah, and you also wonder, okay, like with quarterbacks, the jump from year one to year two is so important, and is that interrupted at all this year? But I feel like because Kyler knows Kingsbury and they have that relationship, like I feel like it might be mitigated a little. Any adverse effects of kind of being apart might be mitigated totally. a bit. I'm not sure. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, you foreshadowed this next pick with your <sighs> previous explanation, but we have the Jaguars at nine. Jerry, Judy, uh who's so much fun to watch and I mean they need a they need a legitimate star wide receiver I think DJ Chark is is good um I think you need to pair him with um somebody and Judy helps Jay Gruden out because you can kind of use him as your jet motion guy too you can get a lot of that stuff rolling um if they don't go quarterback uh I think that that's the move there I mean this is a there's a lot of pressure on this season for everybody involved, right? And so you probably take a big swing and hope that um, you get that Odell Beckham-esque sort of bump from Judy and and that it all works out. I mean, it's sometimes, you know, rookie wideouts are so hit or miss. A lot of them only play one position in college. They don't move around a whole lot. Um, Judy does move around a little bit. So I don't know. I think it's safe on the safer side, but wide receivers are always a massive gamble. Yeah, it's it's one of the positions that is hard to make the leap from college to the pros, especially these days. And Alex Pruitt had a profile on mm-hmm. Gary Judy in this week's uh, last week on our website and this month's issue of Sports Illustrated. So people should check that out for a little bit more on Judy as well. Um, all right, Connor, number ten, Cleveland Browns. This one, I feel like. Uh, I'm going to get the point for position, and I don't know if I'm going to get the point for the player because you know you have three or four really good offensive tackles that are going to 
be in this area somewhere, I think. But I really like Andrew Thomas from Georgia um, because, you know, you, you make the effort to make a big signing in free agency. So you've secured your left side. Andrew Thomas is a great right tackle, like a just a giant run blocker, perfect for Nick Chubb. I don't know. I, I, I He was a lot of fun to watch on film. He's just he pushes people around. And the Browns need help on their offensive line. I mean, plain and simple, they were threadbare at the position last year, and it cost them dearly. I mean, you could see how many wins uh, just kind of flew off the board for them because of an inability to protect Baker, and then Baker sort of overcompensating for all this stuff. So, Andrew Thomas, exciting. Welcome to Cleveland. Yeah, I think you hit it. They That's such a big need for the Browns. They addressed it in free agency. They can address it again in the draft. It was seemed to be the main one of the main deterrents. Obviously, there were a lot of things going on in Cleveland, and it was a messy year. But in terms of like the personnel on the field, the problems with the offensive line seemed to be the main deterrent to the offense having success. So I also I misspoke, too. I looked this up. We were saying how many – when was the first tackle take, offensive tackle taken – in last year's draft, and it was Jonah Williams was the first lineman to go last year at 11. Oh. But I, th- I think we were thinking that the the Jaguars at seven were in the mix. There were a lot of different options that I think I remember having. I think in my mock, I had one in the top 10, so that's probably why that had gotten stuck in my head. But you've got you've got two offensive linemen in the top 10 this year, Connor. Two in the top 10, and then what I'm a little bit concerned about, and to sort of foreshadow what's going to go online tomorrow, is I have a lot of runs. Um, at positions so I think that there's going to be you know the Jets are are next and so they obviously need a ton of help at offensive line are they going to try to get up and get somebody uh, for Sam Darnold and you have like three or four more teams that are down the road there that might need tackles and then tackles and wide receivers seem like a really interesting group there in that like 8 to 17 range where it seems like a lot of those teams need either one of those uh, things and it kind of matches the position strength of the draft but who knows I think it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting draft yeah so you've got uh, you've got to finish we're recording this Monday this mock drafts coming out Tuesday how do you feel about picks 11 through 32 Connor well um, I am 218 and there was like three times where I was like oh like, you know, when something just feels nice, it's like a puzzle piece that you put together and everything seems to work out. But uh, I'm entering the deep end for sure. Um, yeah. uh, post 20 is just uh, is an abyss for me in terms of any mock draft. I, I, I think I remember the only time I ever got I only got two picks post 20 right maybe ever. But I, the two that I remember are Josh Jacobs last year with the Raiders and then ob- oddly uh Bjorn Werner of the uh, when he got drafted by I think the Colts. Yeah, yeah. That's like funny. oddly had him right there. I don't know why. Uh, and I don't know why I remember that. But so hopefully I'm just I'm looking for my next Bjorn Werner. Yeah, it's so hard because there's so many trades and things get shuffled so much late. You know, really after you get it's exactly what you said. After 18, it's totally in the deep end. You feel like you're kind of just like flailing around and not sure where where the wall is to grab for some uh, some reprieve. I mean, I feel like that all the time, but especially during the mock draft, yeah. <laughs> especially during the mock draft. So, well, you know, Connor, I have to say this this got me really, you know, excited. It's been a little hard to get into the draft this year, you know, with everything going on. Uh, hadn't been thrilled about the NFL barreling ahead with it and 
you know, teams don't even know if they'll be at homes or if they'll be allowed to be at the facilities. Just seems like there's a lot of chaos and a lot of other stuff going on. But actually talking about the players and where they slot in, like, that's the fun part of it, you know? Yeah, I, I think so. And I, you know, as much as I complain about doing a mock draft every year and, you know, we both kind of do it begrudgingly because emotionally it's it's a neg it's a net negative right you know it's like you put this work into it you really think about where these players are going to go you call people you text people you try to project everything the right way and then everybody just tells you as soon as it goes up that you're a moron and at best you get you know six right six would be phenomenal you know and then it's like oh well you know there's always next year so but it's fun to talk about at least so while we're on the subject of the draft, I got an email today with the odds from Bet Online for who will the number one overall pick hug first. Okay. So I think that these odds were made without the current circumstances taken into account. Okay. Because there's mom and dad, of course, probably, you know, going to be with mom and dad, maybe quarantined with mom and dad. But then there's girlfriend, three to one, friend, seven to one, and sibling, seven to one. Okay. Mm. I think there's. There's almost no probability that someone is quarantined with a friend. So the friend should not be there, right? I mean, I guess if you're allowing groups of 10 or less, but that seems irresponsible. Yes. So I just think sibling should be higher than both girlfriend and friend because I think there's a higher probability that you would be home with mom and dad and a sibling. But does Joe Burrow have any siblings? Now, this is a good question that I'm just considering now. He does. Um, okay. But I think that an interesting sort of subplot to this, and I'm not going to mention the player, um, but I remember last year, deep in the draft, and I, I think I probably texted you about this, I felt that there was a major girlfriend power play um, uh, that really... Uh, swept me off my feet and and I think it was like in the fifth or sixth round or something like that a player with a home cam and she was sitting closer to in proximity to him than the mom and you could tell both of the mom and the girlfriend kind of wanted to get up there and she and she kind of took command of the situation and I was very surprised um that she sort of uh thought that that was sort of the pecking order for her, right? It was first hug, which I was, I was just, wow, interesting. So you never know. I mean, there could be that kind of situation. I mean, maybe there's a, you know, uh, a, a girlfriend or something, someone who kind of wants to make a little bit of power play here. I don't know. Anything can happen at the draft, Jenny, you know? I, yeah, I remember exactly the situation, <laughs> and that is exactly what happens. The, the other interesting odds are highest number of people in the same room. Nine and a half is the over-under, so I guess they're banking on this 10 or less situation, but, I mean, that seems, wow. I mean, if you were to have, I don't know, also, um, yeah, dogs and cats, but, oh, and there's, will any drafty experience local technical difficulties? 100%. Will any draftee be shown be drinking beer or popping champagne? But yes, I mean, the technical difficulty seems like a certainty. Like, I would put money on that. You know what's going to be the winning bit here is there's going to be, like, some jovial offensive lineman who's going to be shown in his backyard six feet away from his dad in chairs, and they're going to do an air high five when he gets drafted. Oh, man. You should have saved that for the Oracle this week, oh, Connor. True. Yeah. 
Maybe we can recycle. We can, we can just direct people back to this episode. But I, that's I mean, the bit, right? That's that's the winning that, bit. That's true. Yeah. That's exactly it. Because we don't actually know. I haven't had confirmation that anyone has listened to both episodes. <laughs> true. Like per week. Yeah. Like, is anyone tuning in twice a week? We don't know the answer to that. If you happen to be, we would love to hear from you to know that there is one or two, you know, that one or two people exist. If you listen to it twice a week and you made it to minute 36 of, of one of the episodes, God bless you. Send us your address and we'll we'll mail you a Weekside Podcast t-shirt whenever they're printed up for us. That's right. That's right. And last week, we're also on the MMQB feed three times a week. So mm. I'm starting to feel sorry for the listeners. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of ore. Too much ore. <laughs> too much Brentus. <laughs> On that note, we will uh, we'll check out for today, and we hope to see you again um, later this week if you still want to join us. The MMQB Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Brentus, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Moravik is emeritus executive director of the MMQB. Keep up with our entire lineup of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening.